MailChimp presents. Have you ever heard of the dreaded customer? You know, it's when marketers throw their customers into one big messy group, failing to define them by their different needs or habits. It can show up when coupon codes meant for new customers are sent out to everyone, even return customers who can't use the discount. Basically, it's a mess. If you're a marketer, Intuit MailChimp can help you personalize your marketing campaigns so that you meet customers' individual needs instead of missing them. Turn customers into customers by personalizing emails and SMS based on real-time behavior data. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. SMS is available as an add-on to U.S. paid plans only. Visit MailChimp.com for details. This is Listening, a podcast where we ask musicians to keep a sonic diary transforming the sounds around them into a musical portrait of a particular moment and place. In each episode, we'll try on the ears of a different musician to find out how they listen. There are very few moments where I'm easy listening. I'm always intentionally listening. And sometimes that intention is to not listen at all. And what their world sounds like. I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm a musician, radio host, and DJ. And as curator for listening, I have the great privilege of bringing you insights from some of the most exciting minds in music, like Jalen, Jeff Tweedy, Stephen Merritt, and today's guest, Vagabond. It was really nice to almost have this quiet confidence that I don't know what note I'm going to play next, but I have to just trust that this is in service of something else. I'm just doing something else right now. Leticia Tamko, a.k.a. Vagabond, quickly caught the attention of her music peers in Brooklyn's DIY scene in the mid-2010s. With the release of her stunning debut, Infinite Worlds, the rest of the world got a chance to hear this singular artist. Her self-titled sophomore record builds on her indie rock foundation, exploring electronic sounds and a more expansive production palette. In this episode, we'll hear from Leticia about the sounds she cherishes from growing up in Cameroon and how weaving together motion and stream of consciousness can open us up to big ideas. Then we'll immerse ourselves in Vagabond's composition and meet up with her afterward to discuss it. The first time... I can recall being aware of sound had to be in my childhood. And I am from a really tropical place. I'm from Cameroon and all of the sounds, I mean, the rain seasons are extremely heavy. And so during rain seasons, you have tin roofs all over the houses. And so the rain would just be pounding on the roof, just more like ambient sounds like that, like rain on the tin roof or tropical birds and animals or the sounds of like an open street market. And so 
I've always been kind of submerged in like field recordings from the world. I wonder, Leticia, if you had to pick just one, what would you say is your favorite sound? Well, if I had to pick one, I think it would be water. I don't know if that's cheating because water can sound so many ways, but it would definitely be water, whether it's on the tin roof, as I described, or it's the ocean or a lake, water. That's it for me. I wonder if you could go back in time and tell your 10-year-old self one thing about listening, what would it be? Hmm. I think I would tell my 10-year-old self to make note of the sounds that you do like, almost like a sound diary or something, like archive it somewhere. And much like a dream journal or a regular journal, have a, a space, whether it's in your mind or it's on paper, where you can keep tabs on the sounds that you heard that day that you really enjoy. A friend of mine and I went to a rave a couple of weekends ago and we left the rave and from across the street, he held his phone towards the direction of the warehouse and just kind of captured the the sounds of what was going on there. And I think about that as like, wow, that's now a, a diary entry of of that wonderful night that we had. And you can hear all the sounds that was happening around it. It's also so interesting in that some of those sounds get integrated into art. There's not a dichotomy there. I wonder, what have you learned in pursuit of your craft, in pursuit of your music, that's then affected the way you listen in your daily life? Hmm. What I've learned is a bit ambiguous. I think the biggest thing that has happened in my everyday life in terms of listening is that I almost have to have it be a meditation of sorts. Like I have to set an intention. What am I listening for? That's the thing that's changed for me throughout the years is that there are very few moments where I'm easy listening. I'm always intentionally listening. And sometimes that intention is to not listen at all. Listening is easiest for me when I'm on the road. When I'm staring outside of a van window, a bus window, when I am just driving straight for 600 miles across the country, when I'm on an airplane, that's when I listen. When when I have those moments of real pause and you have a lot of time, but you can't do anything with it. In thinking about those moments of motion that give you space to think, are you still a long distance runner? Oh my God, 100%. Running for me is my meditation. You are focused on your body in a very practical way. Like you're focusing on your breath and you're focusing on your body because you don't want to get injured. You want to go the distance. So there are like these really practical reasons for being present in your body while you're running. And I love it so much for that. Anything that allows me to almost reach a state of both presence and like automation, you know, because there's a point where your legs are just going and and you're 
not really thinking about it. It's really meditative for me. I think some people are able to tap into that calm maybe without the same rituals. But for me, it it's almost like going to this like safer space where you can kind of, you're in your body, but you can also forget about the implications of the vessel that you're in and you can really sit into the moment and give it everything. Turning now to your composition, Leticia, could you tell us a little bit about what was going on in your life when you were creating it? Well, I was in the process of driving across country from New York, where I'm from, to Los Angeles. My sister and I drove together and we took about eight or nine days to make our way across. And we stopped along the way at all these various points that we wanted to hit, whether it was national parks or just random towns we thought sounded interesting. So I made this piece upon arriving in Los Angeles after that, that cross-country trip. Could you share the concept of the piece, Leticia? Yeah, I really wanted it. You know, we're talking about like sound diaries and archiving in a way that involves sound and not just photos. So this drive was really meaningful for me because through the pandemic, I found myself here in Los Angeles, unexpectedly so, and needed to kind of commit. And so I kind of drew from this sense of leaving the only home I've known, New York, in a way that is, um, that felt permanent, you know? And we really stopped along the way in places that I loved and I wanted to capture and remember. With all that in mind, let's take a listen to your composition. Cool.
One of the main recordings, like samples that I used on this piece is from a Senegalese market in Dallas, Texas. And that really is the thesis of this piece for me, just walking into a place that sells African foods that are different from American grocery stores where people are like in community with one another, happy to see each other with accents that sound familiar to that of my families and smells that are familiar. So that sample from the Senegalese store really is the foundation of this piece for me and I built everything else around that. With this piece rooted outside of the songwriting tradition and also devoid of collaborators, was there a solitude to this process? Yeah, it was a relief. Like making this was unlike making my albums. It was a lot of fun and freeing and the self-imposed rules, the self-imposed pressure, even the absence of my voice in this piece allowed for a different type of pressure. You know, voices are so personal and we get into a whole different mental territory when that's involved. So I really gave myself the challenge of doing this instinctively. And I really needed that. It's very liberating for me to think about that because I'm more of an artist who obsesses and, you know, gets anxious about what they need to do, wake up in night sweats type of vibe. So it was really nice to almost have this quiet confidence that I don't know what note I'm going to play next, but I have to just trust that this is in service of something else. I'm just doing something else right now. What do we hear here at the top? Well, you can hear these chimes are from Arco Santi, Arizona. And I recorded them about three, three years ago on my phone. And you can hear the chimes of the Senegalese store, the door opening. They're happy to see each other. He's laughing. What's special about the Arcosanti chimes in particular? Well, Arcosanti is such a special place for me and to a lot of people. It's this kind of, it feels like this oasis other than the world. And I've had a lot of beautiful experiences there, friends of mine. We almost call it like summer camp. After everyone's had an album cycle, everyone's been on the road, everyone's been busy with life, we always know that every summer we'll meet up at Arco Santi and we'll have the time of our lives. So those chimes really bring the essence of me and my community into this piece. You can hear me walking on pebbles at my friend Tyler's house in Austin, Texas. I love the sound, it's very percussive. And I just played a lot of stream of consciousness keyboard on it. I really wanted to just sit into all the sounds that I was mixing together, all the field recordings, and just did what felt natural.
What's the voice we hear there? So cute. My next door neighbor, I don't even know. I've never seen the kid before because we're divided by a fence, but I can hear them singing. And they would sing this almost like musical theater song very passionately by themselves every day. What does hearing that phrase mean to you, Leticia? The oh my God. I was using the oh my God sample to kind of emote different things. And sometimes it's an exclamation of like, I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And then sometimes when the piece would swell up and get a bit harsher, it was more of like a rage and frustration. There's a man saying, maybe, hey, oi. Yeah. Where's that sample from? That is also from the Senegalese market. I really loved the way they were interacting with each other. It was so, it reminded me of my family. And the chimes when the door opens, you can hear the bells hung above the door. And he just like exclaimed, hey. And I thought it was so good. There's a different keyboard sound here. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get harsher in these moments, and I really wanted to use the hey and the oh my god samples almost in a more cathartic way, where it's like feels like a release rather than that happy invitation. Now it's more of a introspective, maybe a bit rageful, <laughs> but a quiet rage. the cars. I recorded that at a gas station in Van Horn, Texas. Texas is a really big state to drive through. (laughs) I do so much driving. I do so much time on the road. Most of my life these years is listening to tires on the highway. It's extremely comforting to hear the road, sounds of the road. I get excited. What was it that drew you emotionally and or artistically to synthesizers for this particular composition? I really wanted to use an instrument that I can be the most of a beginner at, you know, I play keyboard, but I really didn't know what note I was going to hit at any moment. I really 
did this as a stream of consciousness thing, and I don't think I could have done that on the other instruments that I play, just because I've had more time with them. I've done more learning with them. And with this, I really wanted it to be a diary. I really wanted it to be stream of consciousness, journaling. I wanted it to just, if I hit the wrong note, that's fine. It's just whatever is moving me in the moment. We enter a new sonic space here. Mm, yeah. There's a tension between maybe the temptation of resolution and something left unfinished. Yeah, it's almost like I didn't want the rage to end, you know? And so the modulation that you hear, that's almost like creating like ripples in whatever I was feeling in that moment, yet knowing that it needs to end, it needs to reach a point of, of closing. me so happy to hear the door of the shop opening and their laughter. So much joy. I love to see Black people happy, so it makes me happy. Can you share a little bit more about the theme of Black joy in this piece, Leticia? I think it's the root of everything that I want to do and be involved in. For me, I think, in order to combat my personal struggles with sadness or depression or mental health, I like to go for Black joy, whether it's singing and dancing. That's just really what I would like to put out, and it helps me confront my own demons. (laughs) I think that all forms of expression that Black people, Black artists decide to have is valid. It strikes me as very profound that you described the exact same sample in some parts as holding a rage and in some parts as holding deep joy. It seems like it really fits with that. Yeah, exactly. You know, something that on the surface seems maybe mournful can also be equally triumphant or vice versa. Something that seems triumphant can also be mournful. As a songwriter, I am in tune with arrangements, and that is more intuition than any other part of making music for me. I know how it's supposed to feel, and everything else is in search of that. Everything else is almost tedious, (laughs) because I know how I want it to feel, and I know when it doesn't feel right. I don't always know what has to change, but it's almost this intuition I hope in listening to this piece that people will take some of that relief that I felt while making it and a little bit of curiosity, a little bit of wonder and, you know, put it on to go to sleep. (laughs) That's what I did. You know, I want it to be something, a world that people can live in for 11 minutes and feel like it has dynamics, but it's also very safe and comfortable and and won't take you anywhere you don't want to go. 
I'm Elia Einhorn, and this is Listening. To explore Vagabond's piece again, head over to the companion to this episode, Vagabond Full Composition. On the next episode, His Golden Messenger. That feeling when you're fully present and your whole body feels infused with inspiration. I feel like that's what people are talking about when they talk about God. Listening is an original series from MailChimp, made in partnership with TalkHouse and 3DB. Thanks for tuning in. MailChimp presents...